What up, podcast guests? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, on, yep, something like another great episode of the Matt Baxter Show. I'm hanging out with Frank again. Frank is just like, I can't even explain, the, the master networker, the guy who is not afraid to make introductions, but does so not for like a, hey, how can I make introductions so that I can gain from it? But no, 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 truly enjoys uh, connecting people for the sake of their benefit truly enjoys getting to know people for the sake of how he can actually help them. Um, and he's not afraid to uh, really ask some amazing questions. I had a chance to be a guest on the Networking Rx podcast uh, where he's the host and just an amazing, amazing podcaster. Um, and we've just got to know each other and he's just fantastic. So I would strongly recommend uh, you tuning in to the content that Frank kicks out. I would strongly encourage you to follow along with his podcast. He has way better guests than me on there, but we had a lot of fun. Um, and just follow along with what Frank's got going on. Frank, you're the man. Thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Frank, thank you for being a guest on this podcast. Well, I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me. This was great. So I got to give a little love. Obviously, uh, we have an amazing individual who made the connection, Berta. Shout out to her. Uh, oh, yeah. Frank, you and I had the chance to connect, and I don't know what you saw, but somehow you decided that I'd be an okay guest on your podcast, which was a blast. And now we're uh, now we're switching things around. You know what, Berta, Berta has never let me down. <laughs> never let me down. Um, you know, I just I, t- I joke about it. Remember the Jerry Maguire movie? You had me at hello. Yeah. You had me at you had me at Berta, right? You had me at Berta. So it's uh, it's one of those things where my uh, my AP chemistry teacher said I've never had somebody get a one on the exam. I said, try me. Good luck yeah. with that. I <laughs> uh, dig it. No, this is awesome. So, Frank, give me uh, give me your background. We've obviously got a lot to chat about, a lot to dive in, but give me give me the story. Yeah, um, well, I'll, I'll I'll say it right off the bat. I live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I live in the shadows of the Ohio State University. I'm a huge Wolverine fan. I'll just say that right now. I and how that happened is I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. My father was a uh, professor at Michigan Tech. I left there, went off to Wisconsin, played a little college football, small college football, and did well in school, well enough that they said, you you need to go off to grad school or get a professional degree. And I applied to all sorts of schools to get into law school, um, including Michigan, didn't get in, but I got into the Ohio State University, which, um, I mean, it's a great school. It's a little fanatical with with respect to football because that's all they got. I mean, they don't have they don't have the Tigers, they don't have the Lions, they got nothing else. Um, but uh, um, good education, got a law degree, got an MBA. They have a joint degree program, so I was able to knock both those out at the same time um, or simultaneously. And um, I left there and went into public accounting. I became a tax consultant. And it was a great job. It was great pay. It was, it's the firm is now Pricewaterhouse Coopers. It was I was part of the Coopers and Libran piece of it. Um, and again, great job, great pay, great glass window office, everything you kind of aspire to. But I didn't want to do taxes for the rest of my life. Number one and number two, I just had this entrepreneurial calling. And I know you get that because that was kind of your story. Um, and I would go out to clients and I would just be totally enthralled with how, how do you make money? How does this work? Um, and I, I still did the tax stuff, but I was really consumed with how business worked. So at one point I decided to leave and go into private practice just kind of as a next step. 
And I tell people that a funny thing happened when I went into private practice. And the funny thing was that nothing happened. I had no idea how to get clients. Um, they don't teach you that in school. They certainly don't teach you that in the big firms. They just want you to work. And so I struggled. Uh, well, I struggled, you know, starting a business is a struggle. Um, but I was definitely afraid early on that I was going to fail because I had no idea. And it's complicated as an attorney because you're really not supposed to call people. There was no social media. Um, you know, I'm just, you're not supposed to call people. You just got to wait for the phone to ring. I had no idea what this whole networking thing was. And somebody said, you need to get into a tips club or a leads group. For those out there who are familiar, like with a BNI or something like that. Well, I had no idea what the person was talking about. But through a couple of introductions, I ended up in a meeting of an organization that was based out of Pittsburgh. It wasn't BNI. It was an organization at the time it was called Network Professionals. And when I showed up and it was, it was explained to me, it made total sense that you can lift up your whole world by just helping other people be successful and just trusting that they'll do the same for you. And it works. So I got really involved in that organization. I was my chapter's first president. Um, I got on a national advisory board, got to be the first franchisee, and then in the early 2000s had the opportunity to buy it, and I did. Wrote the biggest check I ever thought I would write. Um, I, I mean, when you buy a home, you get a mortgage. You're not writing a check. Um, I wrote a big check to buy this thing and stopped the practice of law and really doubled down on helping small business types, entrepreneurs, sales reps, professionals become more successful through their professional relationships and business networking. So it's really changed my life as far as the direction I thought I would head. I've got, a, as you've mentioned, I have a podcast. I just recorded my 509th episode and uh, written a number of books. Um, I'm a student of networking, always trying to learn. So first off, a uh, Ohio State graduate alum that's a U of M fan, you have to yeah. be in a class of one, maybe two other people in the world? No, you know, it's interesting because there were a lot of people who I went to law school with who um, had an affinity for the University of Michigan. I think the problem at Ohio State is it's like, um, it's, it's it's like it's like sprinkling sugar on the top of your ice cream sundae, right? It's just too much. It's just it's overkill. There's a lot of people. It's just they just kind of burn out on. Oh my gosh, it's too much Buckeye, and so they kind of head the other direction. And uh, and maybe at the University of Michigan, there's that same sort of thing. But uh, I just knew the moment I showed up, I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying into this. I'm a Michigan boy. You can take the boy out of Michigan. You can't take the Michigan out of the boy. It's uh, it's funny to hear you say that. I grew up. I mean, we talked about this. I grew up in Ann Arbor, and yeah. um, I went to Hope College just because you know Ann Arbor was far too close, uh, you know, to go to school. Now that's my glorified excuse to politely say I probably couldn't have gotten in. But with that being said, uh, it's one of those things where where you grow up in the heart of it. Um, you're kind of like, all right, I'm ready to experience something else. This is fun. I still root for Michigan on Saturdays, but I don't necessarily need to have my whole life be dedicated towards going to U of M. So as yeah. a U of M fan, I totally get the other side of that equation as well, too. So no, I dig it. Makes yeah. sense. Um, and then also a lawyer and an MBA executive or going through an MBA you know, program, that's there aren't that. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's some, but that can't be that large of a class either. You know, there were generally there was one or two people that did it every year. And when I was 
the class of people I was with, there were seven of us and um, we all did it. We all finished it and um, all kind of went in our own directions doing different things. But it's, you know, that's the thing about law school and business school. They're really not teaching you facts and figures, not teaching, you know, you're, you're, what you're doing is you're learning a way of thinking. Um, you went to Hope College, liberal arts education, you get it right. Um, well, really, that's what law school and, and graduate business school is. It's really kind of a master's in liberal arts, teaching how to think. Fascinating. Well, yeah, it's um, it's, an, it's obviously a unique combination. And one one, you know, would your would your mind default towards putting together a business plan or reviewing a business plan that's been put together? probably default towards reviewing a business plan that's put together. Um, I know they say, Hey, you should put a business plan together. But you know, when I went out into my law practice or when I bought what's now Amspirit business connections, I just, uh, you know, you know, was it uh, ready fire aim? Yeah. You just kind of went in. Um, and I mean, you had the lawn care business. There wasn't a business plan. I'm betting there wasn't a business oh, plan. Gosh, no, was, do there, there, there was barely a business plan for Wedge, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I've said this. I, I say this all the time. I have never seen a business fail. I've never seen somebody, and, and maybe it's happened out there, but I don't see businesses failing. We, you know, we ran out of cash. We got to close the doors. They're foreclosing. You know, I, I don't see that. What I see is people just quitting. Yeah. Just deciding, you know what? it's just easier for me to go take a job. Hmm. And I've had years where, you know, I'm not making much money. I remember several years ago, closing the books on my business and ending up at the end of the month, right? Making 200 bucks. And my wife and I went to a, a, a professional soccer game and I was just like totally, totally depressed. 200 bucks, all my work, all month. And I'm looking down at the security guard, you know, kind of looking up at the stands. I'm like, oh my God, this guy, is making more money today than I made all last month, right? Or something like that. Um, but you're going to have that in business, right? You you know, and it wasn't like a lot was reinvested. So it wasn't like business was bad, but um, it's not an easy grind. No, it's not an easy grind. It's uh, it's not. And, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I think people from the outside perspective, like, oh yeah, running a business is really hard, but I still want to running a business is really hard, but I still want to. And it's like, you don't really get it until you have one of those days where even if everything goes well, you're still tired and you still have a hundred fires to put out tomorrow. That's what running yeah. a business is, is like. And it's, and, and, and I mean, you get this, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love it, but that's, it's, it's a never ending thing. It's not like, you can have a task list, you get that done and you can say, all right, well, I'm going to wait for the next thing because that not, you're, you're 12 steps past that and 1500 fires waiting to be put out that basically requires you to do it, even if you have the best team in the world. So it's, yeah, I don't know, it's uh, it, it's the greatest thing in the world, but it's not for the faint of heart, no matter how cliche that sounds. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it takes discipline. I mean, you, you know, even even when I have a good month, I know that there's a bad month looming. So it's, you know, you can't, hey, you can't spend all that cash, right? You you need to save some for a rainy day. And maybe, and I theorize that's how small business people end up doing really well financially is, is because they keep saving for the rainy day that may never really happen. Yeah. Um, and it's just, they build up these war chests uh, and it's just because they just don't know. Yeah, that's right. So, 
All right. Let's say that I am, um, doesn't matter what age I am, but I am signed up to go to a networking event and I hate networking events, but I know I need to either build my business, meet new people. I just joined a new community or something and I, and I go, what is your first step, Frank? What's your little bit of advice or recommendation or thoughts for that person who walks in the door and is just either overwhelmed or like, oh gosh, another one of these. What does that person do? Well, I guess let me back up real quick. I tell people all the time that you don't necessarily need to go to those events. Um, people hit me with the question of what's the, you know, if I'm getting out there networking, what should I do? I always tell people, find something you're passionate about and go volunteer. Because when you go volunteer, you are out there shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow with people who care about the same things you do, and you're going to get to know them. Yeah, it's like by nature, you're just finding friends or mutual causes or whatever. Maybe. Right. I love that. And Yeah, and you're, and you're not having to go through that awkward, hey, what do you do? You know, it's, hey, we're here. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's dig into this pet charity or this homelessness uh, or this cancer charity, whatever it is. And but those people will, because networking is really about people getting to know you, like you, and trust you, building that relationship. And so that relationship is really quickly built. Um, and you don't have to pitch yourself. They'll figure out what you're about. They'll, they'll just, they'll, they'll, they'll ask questions. They'll figure it out. You know, um, what's that man about? What's he do? Oh, he's got a company. What's a company do? Oh, that's cool. You know, not for me, but I've got somebody that it could be for. But the other thing is, is that when you volunteer, when you do those sorts of things, I know you're involved with Hope College, right? Um, you know, even the people who, even the people who don't care about Hope College, but they see you're invested in it, just think you're a neat guy. You know, they can't, it's just human nature. Yeah. And so if you really have an aversion to getting out and doing networking things, traditional networking things, you can, you can default to that. And it's, 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 it's just as rewarding. Well, it's way more rewarding, but it's just as effective. But back to your question, what I would tell somebody going into a networking event is um, it's, it's not about you. Don't make it about you. We have this aversion of going into these networking events. We have this aversion to talking to strangers. And it's, it's really rooted in human development because for thousands of years, we were born into communities, clans, tribes, you know, whatever you want to call it, about 150 people. Um, and, and there's a reason for that number. Um, and you spent your entire life with those people. And if you saw a stranger, it generally wasn't a good thing. So we have an aversion to strangers. Isn't that one general. of the reasons we like basically developed adaptationally like snoring? was like we would all just like lay down and a bunch of people laying down near each other snoring sounded like horrific animals. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've heard that, as one, I've heard that as one theory of why we have snoring. Anyways, continue. Uh, well, um, that's, a, that's a good one. I'll have to look into that. But um, so we have this aversion of being around strangers. And that's why when you're walking into a networking event, and I'm Mr. Network, right? I'm out there networking all the time. I have that aversion. My the voice in my head, Matt, is saying, don't go, don't go. There's strangers in there. And I push through and I'll go. But what I what I have learned to do is I've learned to have a conversation with myself on the way there, on the way in, and basically say, I am here to help somebody. I'm not here to get for myself. 
I'm here to help somebody. And I call it the the cloak of invincibility, not invisibility, invincibility. And what I mean by that is, is that if you take on this persona that I am here, I'm putting on this cloak because I am here to help other people. I'm going to see who I can help, who I can introduce to other people. You, you start to realize that nobody is going to reject the person who's there to help others. Now, if you're there to pitch other people, yeah, you probably get rejected several times. But if you, you're there truly to learn about other people and try and help other people, and they'll figure out about you in time, but just you're there to help other people, it makes it that much easier. So your conversations all of a sudden become not, okay, what's the best pitch for me? What's that? How do I just embark on this 30-second commercial? And it's good to have those things, but it's really about, well, tell me about you. Oh, you went to Hope College. That's really cool. Oh, you had a landscaping business. That's, you know, talk about that. People love to talk about themselves. So you get that other person talking about themselves. And ironically, they're going to think you're the neatest person in the world because you're actually paying attention to them. It's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's so good. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of how to win friends and influence people. And obviously there's a lot of overlap and similarities of what you're sharing, but also there's like, if you come alongside and genuinely, or at least you fake it, but you sound genuine, express interest into somebody, they can talk for the entire time and walk away and be like, Frank is awesome. I would do anything yeah. for that guy. And it's like, you didn't even say anything. All you did was ask yeah. questions. Like they don't know anything about you, but they just feel that way. It's, it's so amazing how much that, 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 that plays a part in it. Yeah, no. And it works. I, I had a friend who he, his objective was to see how little he could say. <laughs> and he came across somebody. This was in the early 2000s. Okay. We we're headed over to the Gulf war for a second time and talking to this guy and his son had just deployed. And he just knew that the guy just wanted to talk about his son and he just let him go and just kind of ask questions, you know, Hey, what was your favorite memory? Did you ever do this with your son? You know, whatever. And that was, you know, burned out the whole conversation doing that. And the person called him that next week, they exchanged cards and said, Hey, listen, you know, I appreciate meeting you. And I really appreciate you listening to me. And I realized I know nothing about you. I'd love to take you to lunch and I really want to learn about you. So human nature, we want to, we want to turn the tables and people always ask, well, what if they don't turn the tables? You know what? That's a good, er that's a, that's a great early warning sign that they're not somebody that you want to have in your network anyway. Yeah. That's not somebody who's interested in you or they aren't self-recognize. They're, they're not able to self-recognize that, Oh wait, maybe I should turn something around and ask about this other person. Um, or if nothing else, even if they walk away and they don't turn the tables around, they at least walked away liking you. And that's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. So you have this, and, and, and I, I sense this the first time we talked on the phone, I sense this, uh, on our, on the podcast we did when I was a guest on yours. And I, I just, I just know this about you and even you saying it, like you go into every attitude, how can I help somebody? What was sort of an impactful moment or something or somebody that did something for you or how did that come to be? Did something happen to you that all of a sudden you're like, you know what, today's the day I'm going to help somebody. Or did somebody do something that was like, man, I got to change my life around that. What, 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 where's the adolescent bit of this? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, certainly, well, here's a reality. It's easier to talk somebody else up than self-promote, right? I could talk to you, I could tell you all the wonderful things about Berta Medina, you know? Um, and she would probably say, well, you're just as good as I am, Frank, maybe, right? 
but I'm not going to tout myself. I'm going to tout her. And it's so much easier. And that's just, that's a form of giving. And so it's easier to promote others. It's easier to help others than it is to help ourselves. And when we're, we're out there helping ourselves, we really risk rejection. Nobody's going to challenge me on Berta. So I kind of, you know, you, you, it's just kind of a natural sort of thing. And when I got first visited that group that is now Amspirit Business Connections, you know, I, I realized that, okay, I can really help these people. I know people. I know people who need telecommunications or mortgage or real, real estate. Um, and, but what really ignited it for me was probably about, oh, I don't know, five or six years later, you hear people saying all the time, well, I'm a giver, I'm a giver, I give all the time. And I, and I thought, okay, yeah, I hear people saying that, but I don't see that in them. I don't really see that they're a giver. I hear they I hear them talking about it all the time. I don't really see them doing it. I see them being very self-centered. And so what I did was I turned that lens on myself and I just said, okay, if you see this in others, maybe that's you too. Maybe you're not as magnanimous as you might think. And so what I did was I just took a little notebook and I started just jotting down whenever I did something for somebody, put a little date there, you know, 7-3-2022 or whatever it might be, you know, reviewed a resume for somebody, made this introduction, um, served on a charitable board, you know, went to a, a, a charitable meeting, gave a referral to this person. Um, and I just started keeping track of those things, Matt, and not for the purpose of not for the purpose of keeping score. I would never go to somebody and say, hey, Matt, I did three things for you last month. You know, where's mine? And would never do that because you're not supposed to. But it would be a means for me to kind of keep track of, am I really, am I really generous? Am I really a giver? And what I found is that little notebook kind of called to me every day. And I could see that, you know what, it's been three days since I've done something for somebody. I need to, you know, I need to, I need to find something because I don't want this thing to be blank for the rest of the month. Um, and it would, it really kind of raised my level of, uh, I was really in tune to trying to help other people, making introductions, you know, just doing little things for people. And it became habitual. Um, and, you know, every day it was three or four things, making introductions and just continuing on. And, and, and I don't do it anymore. Um, but it, it really be, became a habit for me. In fact, I wrote a book called The Giving Journal, where I talk about this, you know, this whole process of what I did. In fact, um, I can give you the link. People can download it for free. I mean, I'm not, you know, you can buy the book on Amazon if you want. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not really interested in selling a book about giving to others. You know, here, uh, you can download, you can do download it. <laughs> there, 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 there's some irony in that, but I, I, yeah. but also don't be afraid to, you know, it's, it's, it's a book and it costs money to make. So don't be, I, I well, think people understand it, that. It, but there, there is some funny irony in that. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. And if somebody wants a printed version, I have a printed version, you know, Hey, can you pay for postage? Right. I get it. You know, I'm not a, I'm not i uh, I'm not a charity or I'm not you know, trying to create charity. Um, but if somebody's willing to just take the, it's not a long book, it's 40 pages, but it just kind of puts people through this and it's a simple process, but that's really kind of where it came from, um, for me to be that, what, what, uh, again, Berta would call or Bob Berg, who's the author of the go-giver would call a go-giver, just trying to help other people. So a uh, funny question in this, do you receive compliments or help well, or do you, are you averse to it? 
Um, I don't do a good job of it. Yeah, I do a terrible it, job at it. And I'm not saying it, I'm, 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 that is not my cheap plug for saying I'm a, I'm a good giver, but I, I am awful at receiving compliments or receiving like help. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I ask, this is a total selfish question, but I ask because I almost feel like I owe somebody when they do that. Um, I like, uh, people, not people being in debt to me, but I like the bucket going one way, but not the other way. Yeah, um, I get it. I'd be curious your perspective on that. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm like that. I tell people I'm my, I'm my father's son. Cause my, my dad was like that, right? Christmas. I don't need anything, you know? Um, and, and so I've never really been good at the getting compliments or, Hey, how can I help you? It's like, oh, I'm good. Don't worry about me. Yeah, yeah. But you know, years ago, I don't mean years ago. Um, my daughter was seven. It was Christmas time and she went to the store. She went to home Depot. I was, I was doing a lot of home improvement projects around the house and she, my wife took her to home Depot and um, she bought me something and she was so excited. She wrapped it up, put it under the tree. And she was like, Oh dad, I've got, and she kept pointing to it. Right. Christmas morning. It's she's like, dad, open mine, open mine, open mine. Um, and they were a pair of work gloves. Right. I don't know what she spent. It doesn't matter what she spent. But in that moment, I just realized the joy she got out of helping me, hmm. you know, and, you know, the gloves, the gloves are gone. They're worn out because because they used them. Right. That's what they're for. Um, but from that moment on, I really tried to do a better job of kind of keeping a list of things that um, little things that people can help me with. Right. And uh, I'm still not great at it, but. I do have things, you know, and I'm ready when somebody says, Hey, what are you looking for? Well, you know, Matt, this is great. I love to get on podcasts. I love to share the content I have. Um, that helps me, you know, I'm looking to meet these sorts of people. These, so I'm ready with those sorts of things. I'm still not great at it. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it. Right. There are, and, and you know, people who are really comfortable. <laughs> oh, get out of my way. I'll ask. I don't have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, the, but I'm never really comfortable with it, but I, try to do it because I recognize that that's part of the equation. And I'm, I call it the gift of receiving, right? You, when you receive something, when you allow somebody to do something for you, you're giving them that wonderful feeling that my daughter had giving me those gloves. Right. That's right. Um, And so it's really kind of a, it's kind of a way of, of giving to others. So I, you know, I graciously, you know, introductions, whatever. Thank you very much. Even if it's not a good thing, you know, it's the thought that always counts, right? Oh, you're introducing me to them. You know, I'd already have life insurance. I appreciate it though. I appreciate you thinking about me. Um, so just, you know, the glass is always half full. That's right. Um, you brought up uh, one of the times that we talked a reference that I want you to, I'm not going to do it justice, but people go into networking events expecting to get the, you know, the grand slam of an introduction. And that's just not the reality. Walk through sort of that premise and sort of that. I I know you offer some awesome teaching related to that. So I don't want to steal too much thunder, but kind of walk people through the idea around don't have not necessarily too high of expectations, but stop asking for the, you know, the, the, the gold mine of the product sort of thing or the gold mine of an introduction. Well, I mean, um, and I do do a program on this. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it, right? I'm, I'm of the mind that you give things, the best way to sell things is you give it away for free. Um, but wh- I tell this story 
that years ago I was at a networking event and this guy, I was talking to this guy and I said, what would be a good referral for you? And he said, well, you know, a good referral for me is if you know somebody who's got $25,000 to spend to put his team through my coaching, my leadership coaching program. I'm like, okay, that's really specific. That's a good ask. But I don't know somebody who wants 25, who has $25,000. I don't, I don't know that situation. And I walked away feeling bad because there was really no way that I could help him. And I realized driving back to my office that what this guy was asking for was he was asking for me to send him somebody with a check that had his name on it, right? He wanted me to do all the work for him. And my metaphor, my analogy, if you will, is it's, it's like going out to the golf course and hitting a three inch putt, right? That shot that you just can't miss. Nobody can miss. I don't care how much you've been drinking. You're not going to miss that shot. Most times people are going to say, just pick the ball up, Matt. It's, it, you know, it's a gimme. Um, and a lot of times that's what people do when they go to networking events. They ask for the end thing, um, like they're going to get it. Yeah, I'm looking for somebody who's looking to sell their house. Well, in this market, a house is going to sell by the weekend. You're going to, you're going to have the, your commission in 10 days. Um, and, you know, so don't ask for those things. What I encourage people to do is ask for all the things that lead up to it. And again, thinking of golf, golf is not a game of three inch putts. Golf is a game of taking a little white ball, hitting it hundreds of yards towards what a three inch hole that you can't even see. My, my, my chaplain at Hope said, uh, golf is a game of how bad your misses are. Days that your misses are really bad, your round is really bad. Days that your misses are uh, not as bad, you might have a good round. Yeah. But every, but every shot brings you closer to what you're looking for. Yep. So what I, I encourage people to do with respect to networking is to ask for and you know look for other things. You know, for me, being on podcasts is great. I'm on podcasts. People hear me. Hey, I want to talk to you. I'd like to buy a franchise or I'd like to get into your organization or, you know, book sales come out of that. So, you know, so that's certainly one aspect or another aspect is, just meeting other people. I was talking to a, a guy. I was trying to connect him to somebody. I said, I want to connect you to this guy. It's like, oh, why would I want to meet him? You know, what, what, what's he going to do for me? I'm like, you know what? His neighbor is the chamber president. Yeah. You, you know, just meet important people, meet connected people. Don't, you know, you, you don't have to, you know, it's like dating, right? That first date, you don't have, you know, geez, I wonder what our kids are going to look like. You know, you just go on the first date. Um, and not worry about that stuff. Um, you know, so, you know, getting out there, being a thought leader, you know, connecting to, uh, um, centers of influence is important. Just, you know, what are the odd things you might be looking for? Uh, being introduced to here's a, this is a great story. Uh, years ago, I was working with a realtor doing phenomenally well in this small little County in, in Ohio. And he, he and his team closed about 30% of the real, real estate transactions. And I asked him, I said, how did you become so successful? And he said, 20 years ago, now this is 40 years ago now, uh, 20 years ago, nobody wanted to work with first-time home buyers in our county. Homes were going for $20,000, $30,000, you know, little starter homes. Nobody wanted to get 6% of that. He said, but I, what I did was I earmarked time every Saturday morning to work with those people answer questions, talk to them, um, 
you know, hey, you need to get some financing. If you're getting you have kids, think about the school systems, you know, just kind of coaching them through. And did a lot of first time home deals. Well, first time home buyers become second time home buyers. First time home buyers with families have kids that grow up and are going to end up using who mom and dad use. Um, you know, other family members, other people who might be in the apartment complex that you're uh, they were in. And so he just kind of built this little snowball. And so a lot of times I'll tell people is look for the things that aren't quite done. You know, back to my initial example. Yeah, I know you want somebody who's going to spend $25,000 on your leadership training. I get that. What about the person who doesn't even know how to put together a proposal to his boss to get the 25000 Investing some time. Um, just going in and talking to those people almost for free. Just, you know, I'm not going to give it all away. I'm not going to do a whole two week course or whatever it is, but I'm going to come in for 15 minutes and I'm going to share with them, you know, three things that they can do to make themselves a better leader. Um, you know, so those are the types of things I really encourage people to try and ask for when they get out and they network. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good word. Um, so my favorite question in the, in the world is, uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And I think I, I, I love that you kind of touch on the idea of, um, kind of, how can I help? I think I told you, maybe I told you this, but when I was at hope, I was a RA, believe it or not. Um, and I got asked to speak in front of all the other RAs at kind of a training session, stuff like that. And, and the topic of the talk was when you're having a bad day, rather than kind of sitting, wish you had a better day, go, go give somebody what you're seeking. So if you're, you know, you just got broken up with and all you want is a hug. Go give somebody else a hug appropriately, of course. But like yeah. if you're looking for somebody to pay attention, go pay attention to somebody else. And it's amazing, one, how much better you feel. And secondly, how much better somebody else feels. And it just multiplies. And so one of the things that I love kind of just about the premise and, and overall attitude is not only is it joyful to the other person, making the other person better when you help, but it also feels good yourself, too, which is amazing. And so for, for you, Frank, with all that you do and the impact that you have both professionally and literally helping people learn how to do this, but also just as a good guy, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, I mean, the, here's the honest answer. I have a dog and that dog's got to poop a couple times a day. So, you know, there are people who kind of, oh, wow, Frank, you're really great. You're really great. No, I literally follow a dog around and pick up poop. There's nothing more humbling than that. I am just like everybody else. Um, but no, I, you know, I get up to you know, I get up, I get up early. I'm, you know, I'm like you, I have bad days, but I just, you know, I love Monday. I love working. I love, I love serving other people and, you know, creating, you know, helping somebody and just seeing, you know, how, how something can come, you know, how, how somebody who has just left corporate America because they were downsized, they just had enough, whatever, helping them so they can have a great Christmas. You know, those are the stories that, you know, just they, they fuel me. Um, it, yeah, I need money to survive. We all need money to survive. But there's a limit, you know, there's a limit to what you need. And, you know, at the end of the day, I would rather have I would rather be known for the person who is who, who was helpful um, than the person who selfishly accumulated a lot of wealth. So. That drives me. I like it. Um, no, it's awesome. Um, for people that want to follow along with what you got going on, follow the book, just reach out to Frank. What's the best way for them to, you know, keep in touch with you, um, reach out to you, or at least follow some of the content that you put out? 
Um, you know, the best, the, the, the hub for getting a hold of me or anything, all things Frank Agin is uh, Frank Agin, F-R-A-N-K-A-G-I-N.com. I list my podcasts on there. Um, I list the things I'm involved with. Uh, I, have a, I have a monthly charitable call where I bring charities together, not-for-profits together to network with each other. Um, certainly a link to getting hold of me and all things related to Amspirit Business Connections. Uh, all my books are listed there. Um, people can, you know, seek those out on on Amazon or whatever. The Giving Journal is listed there. You click on it, uh, there'll be a link to download a PDF for free. That's awesome, Frank. Thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. You're, uh, you're. It's just, it's just a blast and a breath of fresh air just to talk to somebody who actually cares to help. Um, not just to, you know, make your life better, but to make the world a better place, which is amazing. So thank you. Thank you. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Map Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <music>